Before leaving Hollywood, David Sams was a very popular name there. He had produced such popular shows as The Oprah Winfrey Show, Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, very popular there in Hollywood. In 2017, he conducted an experiment that was very revealing, and he posted it online. He took one of those uh, Google Home devices and asked it the question, who is Jesus Christ? And the answer to that question from mobile home was, I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. He asked the same question uh, of Buddha and uh, Muhammad and Confucius uh, and got very lengthy answers regarding all those religious leaders, but then went back and asked the same question again, who is Jesus Christ, and got the same answer. I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. Now, I have a Google Home. That was in 2017. I thought, surely by now, that error has been corrected. So I asked Google Home the same question, who is Jesus Christ? And guess what I got back? I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. That's pretty honest, though. I, I mean, for the most part, culture doesn't understand who Jesus Christ is. But they try to hide it. At least Google Home is, is honest in that. We started a number of weeks ago kind of trying to find answers in the Scripture to the question, what is God like? And we've, we've answered many of those questions. We're going to pursue that same line of thinking and reasoning this morning, asking, what is God like? Now, again, culture doesn't know the answer to that question, but Scripture does. Scripture understands the answer to that question. So this morning, we're going to pursue the answer to that by asking, what is God like? And recognize that God is like a brilliant builder. And the thing we want to understand this morning is God has built a wonderful future for us. We don't realize how beautiful a future God has created for us. We're going to camp there in Revelation 21 and jump around and look at some supporting passages. Let's start here. God has built us a new city. The people of God have been looking forward to this city for a long, long time time, since the days of Abraham. Listen to Hebrew chapter 11, beginning of verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went out to the place he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. Listen to this. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. There you go, way back then. Looking forward to it. Speaking to Christ's followers, the author of Hebrews says, in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 22, You've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, talking about heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels in festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose name we have written in heaven. Talking about city building. 
God is city building. Sun City, the first city, uh, was built by the Dell Corporation back in 1959, just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. They began with a large shopping center, a recreation center, a civic center, and five mobile homes. By opening day, they were shocked. Thousands of cars caused a huge traffic jam from 107th Street uh, in Phoenix all the way back to Peoria. I'm not familiar with that city, but I think it's a little town outside of Phoenix. Huge traffic jam. They had plans. They'd planned for 1,700 homes in three years. It's 567 homes per year. But they sold 1,000, 2,000 homes, I'm sorry, 2,000 homes by the end of the first year. More shopping centers were built, restaurants, hotels. By the end of the 10th year, a major hospital was built. Did you know today there are 55 sun cities in eight states? Oh, my. Somebody knows how to build cities. But even though we've built many beautiful cities, listen to me, folks, we've never built anything like God's city. We've never come close to building anything like God's city. John says in Revelation chapter 21, it's where we are this morning, beginning in verse 2. John says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe their every tear from their eyes. Death will exist no longer. Let me read that again. Death will exist no longer. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Now, I have a sermon series on just that, so I've got to be careful not to prolificate this morning on that. John says two very important things here. First, he says, heaven is a whole new kind of city. The rules have all changed there. In God's city, no more pain. Can you imagine that? I was talking to some of you this morning about the surgeries we've had. We all kind of compare notes, don't we? No more, no more pain, no more illness, no more sadness, no more tears, no more dying. Truly in heaven, the rules have changed. And these are good rules coming up, by the way, not, not our rules. The second thing, heaven is a beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful city. Beautiful beyond our imagination. Can you imagine no dead leaves, every blade of grass green and plush, every tree heavy with greenness, not a single blade of dead grass, all grass will be rich and thick, everything, everywhere will be healthy. Everyone, everywhere will be young and strong and happy, including you, by the way. Can you imagine that? You almost can't, can you? It's been too long. 
I'm speaking to just a small group of people. I'm sure everybody here is youthful. <laughs> okay, here comes the big question. Will you be there? Well, sure, Pastor, everybody goes to heaven. See, that's the problem. No, they don't. <laughs> Not everybody's going to be there. Not everybody's going to be there. Revelation 22, verse 14 says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Now, we're going to talk more in just a moment about how to wash our robes so that we can gain entry into the gates. As long as right now we understand not everybody gets in, only those whose robes are washed. We'll pick that up again in a moment. Talking about God being a great builder. Here's another thing. God has built us a new house in the city. David says in Psalm 23, 6, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then in John chapter 14, verse 2, Jesus talks about his father's house. And again, I've got a whole bunch of sermons on those, those passages. My, uh, my mother died when I was just a little guy. And we moved in to my grandparents' farmhouse. So for for me as an 11-year-old boy to move into my, my granddad's farmhouse, oh man, it was, it was just what I needed at that time. Having just lost my mom, it was just what I needed. There were adventures in every direction for an 11-year-old boy. There was the chicken house. Oh, stars. You imagine what kind of trouble I got into in a chicken house? The tool shed. The barn. The cattle. The pasture, pastures, the woods, the creek, the forest. I mean, how much fun was that? But I got to tell you, too, it was hard work. Having that much fun was, was hard work. It just wore me out. And by the end of the day, I mean, I came home. I'd been out there. In the, I spent so much time swimming in those stock tanks fishing in those stock tanks. Some of you will, will know what I'm talking about when I say I carried my, my swimming suit with me. But, but I'd come back at the end of the day after being out there having a great time. I'd come back at the end of the day. I was just exhausted, just about dusk. And here's what I remember. I'd come walking out of the dry Mill Creek bank. And that farmhouse was sitting up on a hill and the sun was sitting, and I could see the lights coming from that farmhouse right there at dusk, and I could smell supper, kind of the, the, the smell of kind of laying heavy on the breeze. I could smell that, grandma's cooking. And in there in that house was everybody I loved, everything I loved, and I, I, knew, I knew I was welcome in there. They knew me in that house, and I was welcome in that house, in my father's house. Well, our Heavenly Father also has a house. It's on a hill overlooking the city of heaven. I'm not sure how we're going to spend our days in heaven, just to be very candid with you. The Bible indicates we're going to work. That's a little bit discouraging for me. 
because I'm going to have to be totally retrained. There's no need for pastors in heaven. So, so I've, got to go, I've got to go through retraining, retooling. But I don't care. I don't care as long as I'm there. I don't care what I'm going to be doing all day. As long as you're there, you're not going to care what you're doing there in the city of heaven all day. But I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, at the end of the day when our work is finished and we make our way back home, I, I already know what this is going to feel like. I already know what this is going to feel like. They're in that house that God has made for us. They're in that house that God has made for you. We'll be able to smell supper laying heavy on the breeze as it comes down the hill. Lights coming out of the house. Everyone we love is going to be in that house. Our Father is going to be in that house. And we're accepted there. And we're loved there. And we're going to be received there. You're going to be received there. There in God's city, in God's house. You know what else God has built for us there? God's built us a new room. There in the Father's house, He's built you a new room. John 14, verse 2, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many dwelling places. The NIV translates that room. If not, I would have told you, I'm going away to prepare a place or a room for you. So there you go. Jesus has gone there to prepare a room for each of us. Prepared specifically for us. Tailor-made for us. Tailor-made for you. Man, that probably means, I don't know, earth tones, <laughs> overstuffed chairs, maybe a pool table, big dogs. Ladies, what that means for you is probably pastels, sectional sofas, whatever those things are called, lots of flowers everywhere, poodles. I don't know. I don't know. But it's tailor-made for us. Tailor-made for you. Your room in God's house. <clears throat> because there was a need for warm bodies in Vietnam, young men were often given the choice between prison <laughs> or the Marines. <clears throat> Normally, they chose the Marine Corps. And I knew some of those guys. They were, they were tough guys. <laughs> I got to know one of them in, in Marine boot camp. His name was Charlie Caples. Tough, tough guy. But as I got to know him, I realized, and he told me, he'd never had a room of his own. He'd grown up, he'd been in trouble all his life. Everywhere he'd gone since he was a real little guy, he'd been in trouble. So he grew up in retention centers and reform, reformatories, reform schools and barracks. You know, he was always... He was always watched and never liked and never loved. He, he, he never had a room of his own. And what a, sad, what a sad, sad plight that is. Now, there are probably a lot of reasons why a person may have never had their own room. But understand this. Your father has built you your own room. Everything in it that you like. 
But even with that, Jesus reminds us to keep our priorities straight. Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Just rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Yeah, you're going to have your own room. We don't know what that's going to be like. But just rejoice that your name is written in heaven. I don't know where it's written. I don't, I don't picture it anywhere as cold as a registry. You know, I, I kind of picture our names being written on the door jam above the door. That's, that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to going down the hallway, seeing all your names on the door jams, da, 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 and get down there, Steve Washburn. Wow, that's mine. That's, that's me. I'm going in that room. My name, your name, is written there. It's what the Bible says. Wherever our names are written, I know this. Your name's written in permanent ink. Your name's never going to be erased. In fact, your name is there now if your robe is clean. Your name is written there now if you're ready. Your name is written there now and it's never going to be erased because your room's waiting for you. Your room's waiting for you. And finally, God has built us a new body. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 40. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly body is different from the splendor of the earthly ones. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body. That means our heavenly bodies are going to be a great deal like Jesus' heavenly body. We can tell about our new heavenly bodies by looking at Jesus' heavenly body. What kind of, what kind of qualities did his, did his heavenly body have? Well, his body could levitate. His body could pass through solid doors. He ate in his heavenly body. We're going to eat. Are we going to get hungry? I don't, I don't know. Chicken fried steak? I don't know. Sirloin steak? I don't know. But we're going to eat in heaven. We know that by, by looking at Jesus' heavenly body. And we're going to be eternally young. Younger. I look at some of you going, yeah. How young? Well, according to a Wall Street Journal article, physical strength peaks at around 25, but sustains almost as hefty for 10 to 15 years. So age 33, the age of Jesus, when he was crucified, is probably about the age we're going to be in heaven because that's when we're at our prime. I look back on my 33rd year. I was just about the top of my game when I was 33. Just about the top of my game. That's how old Jesus was when he was crucified. We're probably going to be somewhere around age 33 in heaven. That'd be okay with you? That'd be okay with you, won't it? 33? I mean, you're comparing it to where you are now, and you're saying, yeah, yeah. Just about the top of our game. When I was 33, I went to my first full-time church. I, I had another life before the ministry. But when I was 33 years old, I went to my first full-time church in a small town of Collinsville, Texas. And I go visit the hospitals in Sherman, Texas. There were two of them uh, every Monday. 
And since it was from such a small town, I would visit everybody that was in the hospital from Collinsville. Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, I'd go visit everybody. So one day I went into a room that I thought was, uh, was one of our folks from Collinsville. And it was kind of dark and I walked in and the lady in the bed gasped. Huh. I said, oh, I'm sorry, I I'm in the wrong room. I thought, I thought you were somebody else. And I started to leave. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. She said, please come back. So I walked in and met Mrs. Mason Patton. That's the only name I ever knew her by. I don't know what her given name was. Mrs. Mason Patton. As I walked over to the bed, she was 103 years old. When I walked over to the bed, she said, oh, Will you stay and visit with me? She said, you didn't frighten me. She said, you are just the spitting image of my husband at your age. So I sat and visited with her. And I asked her if she remembered being my age. And she said, oh, yes. I remember being your age like it was yesterday. I said, well, tell me about it. So she would lay there in bed. She'd look up at the ceiling. And she'd talk about her life at age 33 and how wonderful it was. She'd talk about her husband, the guy I supposedly looked like when he was 33. And, oh, what a wonderful life they had. What a, what a great marriage they had. She would laugh, and her husband was a funny guy, and he, he kept her laughing. She talked about the love they had, the marriage they had, the relationship they had. They had a child one time, a girl, but she passed away years before, and we kind of grieved over that. So, so every week on Monday, I'd go in and visit with Miss Mason, Mason, uh, Mason Patton. She was in a care home just right next to the hospital, and she was always ill. I always had her over there. And you know what she said? She said, I look forward to dying and having my 30, 33-year-old body again and seeing my husband again. I look forward to having my 33-year-old body. What do you all think? Are you okay with this? Are you buying this? You believe in this? You believe in that you're going to get your 33-year-old body when you die? Now, I don't know if you're 23 today. I don't know what to tell you. It's important that you believe this. You know why? It's true. It is true. You're going to get a 33-year-old body that can levitate and walk through solid doors, hungry every now and then, eat every now and then, young. You're going to get that body. Why? Because Jesus says so. Jesus says so. Hold out your hand for a moment. Hold out your hand and just look at your hand. Now, I don't care how old you are, every cell in that hand has been replaced. Every cell in that hand has been replaced. You can kind of tell because it's a little more weathered than it was years ago, isn't it? Every cell in that hand has been replaced. That's not the same hand you had 10 years ago. It's been replaced. And that hand you have in front of you is going to be replaced along with every other part of your body, by a brand new hand, a brand new body. All of your current body will be totally gone. You'll be given a brand new body. And your new body is going to be like Jesus' new body. 
Listen, our God is a brilliant builder. He has built for us a new city, a new house. He's built for you a new room and a new body. And you can take that to the bank. Now, how do you get that robe washed? You thought I'd forgotten, didn't you? How do you get the robe washed so you can get into heaven? Let me tell you. All of us have sinned. Everybody has sinned. Our sin separates us from God. If we die separated from God, we don't go to heaven. Nobody gets to go to heaven with sin in their life. But if we go before the Lord Jesus and confess of our sin and ask for his forgiveness, because he paid for it on the cross, Jesus will say, yes, I forgive you of your sins. And I wash your robe. Clean as bleach, I wash your robe. And once we've confessed our sin to Jesus and asked for forgiveness and received forgiveness from him because of the work he did on the cross, now God the Father will allow us into heaven. Have you had your robe washed? No, but I've been good, Pastor. Does not matter. But my parents did that. Does not matter. But my grandpa was a Baptist preacher. Does not matter. It's only, only, only by having our robes washed by forgiveness of sin, by trusting and following Jesus, that we're gaining entrance into heaven. Does that describe you or not? If it doesn't, listen. Why don't you come this morning? Here in just a moment, we're going to sing a final song. And while we sing, step out from wherever you are, make your way down here to the front, take me by the hand, and just say, Pastor, I want to have my robe washed so I can get into heaven. I want to give my life to Christ and find forgiveness of my sins so I can get into heaven. Will you come this morning and do that? Please do. Please do. Let's bow our heads together.